Welcome to the daily objective. Uh, we are, of course, covering uh, what we've been covering for this past week, and we'll continue to cover, uh, you know, as as the only topic on the channel for now, which is the war in Israel uh, from different angles. Uh, today, I'm joined by Eamon Osman. You have uh, may have seen him on the channel. He's been on not many times, but a few times. He's uh, I've, I'm pretty sure I've uh, referred to him on the channel as uh, the the closest thing the Ayn Rand Center UK has to a co-founder, uh, that, that's a story for another day. I, I may have told it already, but in either case, we're not going to uh, talk about that today. We will talk about uh, why why seemingly uh, hatred of Jews is, is uh, prevalent in the Muslim world, and uh, uh, we're going to get to that in a couple of minutes. As always, I have uh, I will give some updates for people who would rather hear uh, the news from us than uh, from uh, mainstream media in the West. So um, the number of dead, uh, last reported number is still uh, 1,300. Uh, so that's at least 1,300 people dead on Israel's side. Uh, only a few hundred have been actually identified. And in part, that's because... And, once again, we, we're going to give descriptions here that you might not want to hear, so bear that in mind. Part of that is because some of the bodies are in, in a condition where it's uh, near impossible to identify them. Some have been burned, uh, you know, some have been beheaded. Uh, there are, I heard a report yesterday about uh, the place where most of the bodies are taken uh, in, in the center of Israel and in body bags and in some cases you don't know you know if there's one body in a, parts of one body in a bag or more than that and so uh yeah this is a process that will take uh some time uh in in uh the potential uh northern so second front of this war in the north of israel and the south of lebanon uh there has been there have been explosions on the border hezbollah has, has uh, taken responsibility for that there have been a few incidents where there's suspicion of uh, terrorists infiltrating Israel, some villages uh, and, and towns uh, in the north. Um, the locals have been told not to leave their homes. Um, yeah, rocket attacks uh, are, are continuing. Uh, some of them are from the north. Most of them are still from the Gaza Strip. Um, what else? Uh, oh, Today, uh, this was mentioned in a super chat yesterday that Hamas declared a day of international day of rage uh, today. So part of that was uh, in France, a teacher was murdered in the classroom uh, by Islamic terrorists in the West Bank, which has been relatively quiet so far. Uh, there have been dozens of incidents uh, with uh, Molotov cocktails and all, all sorts of uh you know attacks on on uh israeli soldiers uh the idf has told uh through the un has told the uh um residents of the northern part of gaza to evacuate they gave them 24 hours uh this was i think something like 12 hours ago uh so we'll we'll see what that means i don't know what that means you know we, we, i know what i would like it to mean uh, which is severe aerial bombardment of the area. But of course, this could mean that they're planning, planning a <clears throat> ground uh, operation in uh, in that area. And of course, a ground, a ground operation <clears throat> will undoubtedly result in the deaths of, uh, of 
many Israelis, what you can know for sure when Israel tells uh, people in Gaza to evacuate is that the terrorists, or at least their leaders, will evacuate. The only ones uh, who are staying are staying in order to, uh, because they're prepared to kill the soldiers coming in. Uh, we mentioned uh, in recent days the um, that Boaz Arad from the Ayn Rand Center Israel is running his, uh, has this program that he runs for gifted students called Atlas Juniors. That is a, a program that takes place in uh, the town of Ashkelon, the city of Ashkelon, uh, not far from the Gaza border. Uh, there have been over 200 rockets fired to that town. So next week, uh, the Atlas Juniors uh, program. We'll have a retreat, a week-long retreat for people from there. I know Israel has also evacuated or, or, or given the option to many people living in the Gaza Strip area uh, uh, or the area surrounding the Gaza Strip to, to go to different hotels and, and so on uh, away away from that area. So people from the south are, are moving to kind of more to the center. Now people from the north are being encouraged to move to the center. Israel is a small country. There's only so far you can run away. And at some point, they'll have to choose whether or not they want to uh, fight back. Um, there is uh, reports in recent, uh, maybe the last hour or so, of uh, a ground operation. This is reported in Israeli media, so it, they wouldn't report it unless the IDF approves it. Uh, of the IDF doing some sort of ground operation in Gaza, uh, specifically to free some of the hostages. Uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. And there is also a report that over six thousand bombs have so far been dropped by Israel. In some, uh, I think it was the Washington Post, they mentioned that this is more than. Uh, a year of, of bombs dropped by the U.S. in Afghanistan. Now, I didn't go into that story. I don't know if they specify a year. This is an average year in the 20-year war. And of course, that war, we know how that ended. So maybe that's not a good uh, a good thing to compare to. If, you, if you're doing more than that, that's, that's, that is a good thing. Um, all right. I think that is uh, enough for um, updates for now. Uh, we will... We can move on to the topic of today. So, uh, Amen. Just so people know why it is that you're talking about this topic, can you give us a little bit of your background? And normally, your background, you would say, you know, I studied engineering. I'm a programmer. Uh, you know, I came across Ayn Rand and so and so. But this is not the kind of background we're talking about today. So, if you want to uh, give us some uh, details, please go ahead. Uh, yes, I mean. The very brief story would be that I was, uh, my family's from Sudan, and uh, I was born in Saudi Arabia, and my family moved from Saudi Arabia to the UK when I was around five. Um, and uh, as you would probably guess, my family entirely are Muslims from the north of Sudan. And um, my, you know, experience, I guess, with uh, Islam or my relationship to Islam is I became an atheist when I was 16. Uh, and many years later, I kind of discovered Ayn Rand. Um, but I grew up, you know, raised in a probably a very normal Muslim family. Um, uh, and uh, I was exposed to, you know, probably a wide variety of ideas from main, mostly mainstream, I would say. Um, and I guess that's why that's the kind of, you know, you want to ask me questions about that. 
Yeah. So, uh, but you've been you've been back to Sudan uh, a few times, right? Uh, I've um, been, you know, when I was very young, went to Sudan many times, and when I when we moved to the UK, it became more sporadic. Um, uh, but then, yeah, as an adult, I've been to Sudan, so I was probably uh, early twenties the last time I went to Sudan, I think. And you've also been to Saudi Arabia, right? Since I've been to Saudi Arabia, I think twice when I was an adult. Yeah. Okay, so you you have sort of the context of the culture in Sudan, in Saudi Arabia, and and the culture around maybe Muslim communities uh, or some Muslim communities in the UK. Uh, so you know, uh, Jewish people specifically, people in Israel, uh, think that certainly the Arabs hate us and uh, maybe the wider Muslim world. This is kind of how it's seen. It's uh, it's it's seen as uh, you know we're we're hated completely, and uh, there's nothing more to that uh how how paranoid is that uh attitude on behalf of jews uh won't surprise you to uh hear that you know that it's consistent with my experience of uh muslims i would say like would it anytime jews come up it's in some kind of negative fashion you know in in muslim culture um, I remember when I was young that uh, the only time I heard about Jews would be, you know, negative things. So obviously there'll be the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, um, but very specific things that you would say that are, you know, ideological or religion-based. Um, the I remember a teacher when I was young, uh, a, we had a Muslim school thing in the UK. And a teacher just out of nowhere said, uh, you know, that the world, the judgment day wouldn't come until all the Jews are killed. So I think maybe that's like a, a phrase in one of the hadiths. So this is like the teachings of the prophet outside of the Quran, uh, which maybe Jews are familiar with, because I don't, I think it's quoted by organizations like Hamas and Hezbollah. Um, and I remember, I think I was probably, 12 years old and uh it was nobody you know back to the night this was a school in the uk this was a school in the uk so i think this teacher was brought in maybe specifically from saudi arabia and she was um it wasn't part of the class it was just she just said it you know she just she she needed she wanted every kid in that class to hear and it was a multi-age class so it was you know kids from 10 years old to like 18 years old uh that's one. If when you go to Sudan, you know, if anyone's speaking about the Jews, it's always, you know, that they're terrible, that they're bad people, or whatever it is. Um, that would be the the average take. Um, and I mean, there's some there's some people who don't who who when I ask them specifically, you know, what do you think about Israelis? What do you think about Jews? They would say, you know, they're just like us, and they're. Uh, the conflict we just want peace and we don't want you know conflict with these people they tend to be like the minority and they tend to be the the most reasonable out of the Sudanese people at least that I've come across um yes so um yeah that's that's not very <laughs> not very comforting um so like you know the the people you see on the streets chanting gas the Jews or all those people uh I can you know, my my uh my guess is that they're not, they're not actors oh yeah 
So like uh, from my from my understanding, it's like these people actually do exist, um, and uh, you know, I would say they represent probably the 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 average view. So the there are more even more extreme people than that, um, and then I would say the minority of uh, Muslims at this point in time would be uh, what you you would call having a reasonable view. Do you think most Muslims in this country hate Jews in, in the UK? Uh, so my experience is uh, mostly of Sudanese people who are, I would say, more chill than some other Muslims around the world. But yeah, I mean, I don't know about hate, you know, actively hate, but they know that they're supposed to hate them. That's definitely true. So there's absolutely no no uh, ambiguity on that point. So like, if you go to the mosque, you will hear anti-Jewish stuff. So it's it's not... There is no other voice. There's no other sort of point of view. You might just not care. You might um, ignore it, um, but there is no opposing view. Um, so you were 13 years old on 9-11, was it? Uh, I was <clears throat> young. I was, it was before secondary school. I was still in primary school. So I think I'll probably be like 10, 11, I don't know. Do you remember it? Do you remember the attitudes back then uh, you were living in this country? So. Yeah, I remember very well. I mean, I without saying the exact people that were involved, I remember I was walking back from school and I was walking with a Pakistani guy and uh, he, I walked past his house. So he went into his house and I walked past. He ran outside telling me to come in. I said, I've never been in his house. I don't think I've told you this story. No. Uh, he ran out, shouted to me, he said, come in, come in. So I go into his house and I just, you know, see his parents sitting down, looking slightly shocked. Uh, he was excited and he was uh, smiling and he was pointing at the screen telling me, you know, I don't remember what he said, but I remember him being happy. Uh, I remember just leaving, going back home and, um, you know, seeing the reactions of people there. I kind of don't want to say what the exact reactions of, you know, my very close family members. But from the wider Muslim community, there was definitely a mixture. Uh, there were people, you know, I don't, I don't know what percentage, but many people were happy, cheering, saying this is what they deserve. But there were definitely some people who said it was wrong at the time. And do you remember similar um, incidents, like when, when anything that happened in Israel, you know, any of these rounds of fighting with... Um, uh, Hamas or uh, the second uh, war in Lebanon in I think 2006 <clears throat> do you remember any of the reactions in the community back then or I don't remember any specific conflict but it was, obviously it was always pro-Palestinian there was no question about that there was there was a it was it's not something that people I guess in Sudan think about day to day so they 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 have their own problems, but it's um, I don't think there was no sort of uh, discussion of the specifics. It didn't really matter what the specifics were. There was one side that you were for, and the other side is bad. And actually, just it's it's um, extremely tribal. So you would be told specifically you have to be on the Muslim side. There was no actual discussion about specifics of who was right or who was doing what. It doesn't. It didn't really matter. 
Um, <clears throat> so things that I remember from uh, you know growing up in Israel is, uh, and I think I mentioned this sometime over this past week. You know, when Israel, uh, when there were daily terrorist attacks, and and then Israel at some point uh, went into the West Bank, surrounded Yasser Arafat's uh, compound, and just surrounded it with tanks so that he couldn't go anywhere, but they didn't kill him. And I remember the arguments I would have with people saying, you know, why why are we not killing him? Uh, and the argument I would hear is, well, somebody worse will come along. And this is an argument I've I've been hearing, not in the past week, but previously, regard in, in regards to Hamas. What if ISIS comes along next? Um, from what you know about uh, the way Israel is seen in in most Muslim communities. Is is this a thing? Like, is the idea that uh, you know, if if we kill uh, the specific uh, Islamic terrorist organization, get rid of the specific Islamic ter- terrorist organization that's currently terrorizing us, uh, is that going to be what will really get the Islamic world to hate us, or are we already there? I guess in a in a sense. I mean, I never got this. I don't get the sense that it would make any difference. It's. It's, for them, it's a a fight to the end, fight to the death. Um, it kind of reminds me of the the stance that the U.S. had with the Soviet Union. I heard stories that when they both when they were both nuclear armed, that the U.S. were trying to come up with game theory, game theoretic, you know, strategies to figure out what will the Soviets do. You know, if we drop a bomb, will they drop only one bomb? We should we need to have like some sort of you know, reasonable strategy that we don't destroy ourselves. And it came out decades later after the Soviet Union collapsed that the Soviet the, the Soviets, their strategy was just, if one bomb drops on us, we're going to drop all the bombs. So like they completely, the Americans, for some reason, thought we're dealing with a rational enemy that is that has some sort of sense of self-preservation that is going to act reasonably. And it was false. So I would say it's it's the it's kind of uh, uh, similar with the Arabs. It's like the if the if the the Israelis are thinking if we do this small if we do if we don't kill this one person then they're gonna like us a little bit more. It's gonna increase our chances for this or that. It doesn't really make sense to me because it's it's very there's no moral ambiguity on the on the Muslim Arab side. It's like it's they need to win. So if if you let if you spare them, it just means that you're a fool and they, they'll be able to fight another day. So I don't, I don't really, I don't, I don't see any um, sense that, and I actually, it makes sense. Like if you think you're on the, in the right, why would you, um, if your enemy holds back, maybe that should give you a pause. Like maybe you think that means that they're not as bad as they are, but if you're convinced they're bad, it doesn't really matter. So <clears throat> this idea in Israel, that's I think is uh, <clears throat> is definitely you know it's 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 on a break at the moment, but uh, I'm sure it'll come back. Which is ultimately we should have a peace deal with a future Palestinian state that will be in uh, you know the West Bank and Gaza. And one of the ideas I heard today uh, from one of the commentators in Israel, actually no, this was from Ehud Barak, the former Prime Minister of Israel, who said uh, Israel should go into Gaza, get rid of Hamas, then take. The, uh, the the Gaza Strip over uh, temporarily, and then 
give it to a um, an, an army that's set up especially by different Arab countries. So Egypt, Qatar, the Emirates, uh, and so on would form an army that would uh, take over the Gaza Strip also temporarily, and then ultimately uh, give it to the Palestinian Authority. Because the long in the long run, uh, we need to negotiate with the Palestinian Authority uh, to establish a Palestinian state. And, and that state will have peace with Israel. That's that's the idea. Is this idea, um, based on your knowledge of how uh, the Islamic world and the Arab world see Israel, does it seem to you as delusional as it seems to me? I mean, it's a very difficult question. I, I, I really don't know. But um, the, the idea of... Uh, I don't think negotiating necessarily with the other Arab states matters that much because you can see how much those other Arab states care about the Palestinians. They don't care. Um, the Arabs are only united in their anger, but they're not actually united. They hate each other. Every Arab country hates every other Arab country. Um, so the I don't know what the solution is, but it, it makes sense to just have to secure Gaza completely. And if Israelis feel generous to actually, I guess, govern them and give them rights and but just keep them under control. Definitely, it doesn't make sense to um, just let them. And I'm, I'm sure I'm trying to remember the example you were giving, but the scenario because it was kind of complicated. I didn't follow it completely. To give them their own government right now doesn't make sense. They're just going to elect Hamas again <clears throat> or some version of Hamas, and. Uh, so I, I don't see an option other than pacifying them. So what else are they going to do? I think the biggest mistake Israel is doing, and again, like I don't really know what I'm talking about, but the the biggest mistake seems to be that they need this the approval of a bunch of international so-called friends yep. uh, to defend themselves. So I think they just need to. I think they do have friends, but just not very good friends. People who would clearly see that Israel is their friend and the, uh, the, the other countries surrounding it aren't their friends. I'm thinking about France, the UK, America. Um, but they want them to, I don't know, they want them to restrain themselves for whatever reason. If Israel just defends itself to the fullest, I don't think they're going to switch to attacking Israel. So I think our Israelis afraid that the West is actually going to turn against them completely as in actually invade them. I'm guessing not. No, but I do think uh, if if Israel does the sort of military operation that you know that I I think would be right in Gaza, um, sanctions are definitely going to be on the table. Uh, I think uh, you know the the aircraft carriers uh, that the U.S. has sent to the area. I, I see that as a positive thing, but it, it it could also be, again, I don't think there's any chance of the U.S. actually attacking Israel because Israel went too far. But I think it's a it's sort of a, um, you know. So that's not going to happen, but maybe sanctions. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm a kind of a, a risk taker, but I would test those ideas. Because I, I think that Israel is too afraid or too uh, preoccupied with, can, trying to convince yeah. other people that what it's doing is correct. 
Yeah, and of course, as as we've said throughout this past week, you know the the operation in Gaza uh, or or in in the south uh, that came from Gaza. That's if you look at it as an Iranian operation. Ultimately, this is they're sending their their um, what's the word for it? Like the you know the front lines that you send to kind of die the the, the cannon fodder. Yeah, the cannon fodder and. So an operation from from the north by Hezbollah, Hezbollah is is at least ten times stronger than Hamas. They can do a lot more damage, and the two of them can do a lot more damage together, even without Israel, you know, tying its own hands behind its back. And but Israel will do that. So a ground operation in Gaza uh, and having and being uh, you know bogged down in that with a, an operation from the north, and then with the possibility of any Iranian involvement by Iran's actual uh, army is completely disastrous. And I'll say uh, far more disastrous potentially than sanctions. So um, yeah, I, I agree. We should, uh, Israel Israel should act militarily and not diplomatically at this point. Um, I want to quickly ask you just one thing uh, that, that you mentioned about the Arabs. Arab, every Arab country hates every other Arab country. Like you're not talking about, you know, like, you know, London and Manchester, people arguing who, who has the better city. You're talking about actual hatred that sometimes, you know, goes goes at, goes into actual military conflict, right? There's some obviously there's that, and then there's just like racial discrimination. It's almost they're racist against other. So a palace, you know, uh, a Saudi would be racist against a definitely a Palestinian, but like maybe a uh, Syrian would be a racist against a Saudi or I'm not sure the exact, the exact examples but you hear stories of um, how difficult it is to emigrate from one Arab country to the other Arab country and how they get prejudiced against each other so they don't um, they, they don't have ex very good relations with each other yeah yeah and of course we saw that when uh, when Israel said a few days ago that uh, people in Gaza should leave to Egypt the Egyptians were like hang on a second <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't surprise no. me. I mean, it surprises some people, but uh, and obviously the Western media doesn't really talk about it that much because I don't know. There's, re I mean, you can guess the reasons. Yeah, yeah, and I've, I've, uh, I've said, you know, that we're trying to. Part of the reason for the updates is that people can avoid Western media. I happen to see a few interviews with Israelis over the past, like over the past day, but I guess the interviews have happened over the past few days. And it's it's absolutely despicable the way uh, they're being interviewed and asked about children dying. And of course, they're not talking about the, the babies that were beheaded in Israel or burned alive. Um, they're talking about the children that Hamas is hiding behind while firing at Israel um, and, and blaming and, and the media is blaming Israel for that. So on... what, I mean, I, I encourage people to watch the mainstream media to get a an understanding of what everyone else is saying. So you can actually sort of understand what, why people are misled or misinformed or whatever it is. Yeah. I did feel that the first day that uh, Channel 4 News, which I always, I always watch Channel 4 News in these kind of situations to figure out what the left thinks in the UK. And yeah, the first day was terrible in terms of clearly siding with Hamas, uh, in my view. And then I think they probably embarrassed themselves a bit too much. And then they try to be more balanced. Um, but you can see there's always there's always this uh, 
either clearly being against Israel or pretending that they're holding Israel to a higher standard because they can be held to a higher standard, which is the the more center-left uh, position. Yeah. Yeah, I saw something from Channel 4 about you know, somebody somebody on the ground, a Palestinian, reporting as if it's news, the devastation uh, that happened there with, of course, no context on, on why that devastation is happening or who is actually to blame. But we will, uh, you know, try to provide the alternative for that. And, and of course, if you think this is valuable content, please like it, share it, uh, subscribe, help us uh, get our our uh, alternative to the, the mainstream media uh, out there uh, to as many people as possible. Thank you, Eamon, for joining me. Uh, we will be live with the reality show in a couple of minutes. And just before we go, uh, thank you, Bonnie, for your super chat. And thank you, Nicholas, for your super chat. Uh, by the way, as I've mentioned, we will also be uh, um, streaming the Daily Objective on weekends, at least this coming weekend. Uh, I will be uh, on uh, I assume both days. Uh, and uh, I'll also be on the reality show in a minute or so. So thanks, Amen. Thanks, everybody, for watching. See you soon.